We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugo. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me on Verify. But since it's our week one, for our new listeners, I'll shout out again, at Mike Dugar on Twitter. I'm verified, so don't worry about looking for it. Just look for the brother, Blue Check, Dredge. That's me. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206, and that's C-Kidd-206. All right. And we have our first special guest to preview an actual game that counts. Man. We have been waiting a long time to do this. We have on the line Colts reporter for The Athletic, Stephen Holder. Stephen. What's going on, man? Welcome to the Man to Man podcast. All right, man. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be talking about, like you said, an actual game. It's been way too long and preseason is trash. So, yes, let's, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> I don't know. Preseason can get exciting up there in Indy. Who knows? Your franchise quarterback might just retire. <laughs> Well, there is that. Yeah, I don't need that much excitement, though. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> that's what I'm not bargaining for. <laughs> uh, uh, before before we get into Seahawks Colts, what's happening this this Sunday? I got to shout out Stephen because Stephen has been in the game. He's a veteran. Like Stephen's been in the game for a long time. Anytime there's like something happens with a player, I feel like Stephen's got a story or an anecdote. <laughs> uh, especially players who play for the U. How long did you, did you cover the U? Right for a long time. I went to school there and covered them. So, yeah, I got the the full gamut of that experience. So, yeah, I like that. All right, so this is how long I've been doing it. Uh, I covered Ed Reed, like, in school, like, oh, in college. Wow. So, like, I didn't know he was going to be Ed Reed at the time. But, dang, yeah, that's that's perspective for you. Yeah, that with that, that 2001 team or 2000 team, probably one of the most loaded teams you'll probably ever see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that I'll never forget it. It was crazy. Uh, I believe Frank Gore was, like, third string. Jesus. Oh my goodness. She's yeah. like, can I get the ball? Like, yeah, we'll let you know. <laughs> and it was fair to do that, though. It was not even yeah. like it was shade. It no, was like, oh, we got like, dudes in yeah. front of you. Like, yeah, hey, he's backing up. He's backing up like Willis McGahee and Clinton Portis. Like, bro, <laughs> we'll call you when we need you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. I, I throw that out there because that when Steven has a take, we're on Twitter and a column or whatever, it's informed. It's yeah. like it's, yeah. it's got All a right, cool. background in it. So if you fire off some takes there, boom, we, we already I got you covered there. There's the qualifier. Um, but let's let's get let's get into uh, the, the quarterback 
Uh, actually, no, let's start. Let's start with the team at large, because I feel like you guys all need a hug up there in Indy. So many so many breaking news updates that are devastating. Uh, uh, many of them about COVID. Um, the culture, one of the more least, least vaccinated teams uh, in the league. Uh, is Do you think that's going to ultimately derail their season, potentially, COVID this year? I think it has the potential to. I, I think the problem with it is that there's always this looming threat. And, and look, we are all under threat of COVID, right? I mean, I mean, even reporters, we're testing weekly. And I'm not going to lie, I open the test result every week and I'm like, <gasps> you know, so we all do that, right? But vaccinated or not. However, I think the big distinction, the thing that I always, always impress upon fans is that the rules are not the same if you're vaccinated versus unvaccinated. And these guys who are unvaccinated, the close contact game that they got to play is real. And we've already seen a lot of guys around the league, you know, get sent home, basically. I mean, the Bills, it's happened to them. It's happened to the Colts a bunch of times already. I mean, they had four starters sitting at home last week, you know, a week before the opener, including the starting quarterback, you know, and not because they were positive. That's the thing. I mean, you know, be one thing. If you're positive, it is what it is. It can happen to any of us. But to be sent home because you're you're not you're not even positive. You're just a close contact when if you're vaccinated, that doesn't apply, period. As long as you're negative, you can come to practice the next day. So literally their difference or their consequence for not being vaccinated, the difference between those two is one guy is at practice the next day. The other guy sitting at home for five days. That's a hell of a difference. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so and, and to to bring it back to the Colts, for them specifically, their unvaccinated players are largely some of their best players. And mm. we're talking about the quarterback, Carson Wentz, the starting center, Pro Bowl center, Ryan Kelly has been, has admitted he's unvaccinated. Darius Leonard, all pro linebacker, unvaccinated. There's a few other guys, we believe Quentin Nelson as well, all pro oh, guard. Damn. Like all the best yeah. players. <laughs> like literally, literally the very best and most important players on the team are not vaccinated. I mean, if you made a Colts all-star team, it would be like the unvaxxed team. It's crazy. <laughs> so so I'm going to peel back the curtain on this from a reporter standpoint. Like, I see you get into a lot of debates with people on Twitter about vaccination, mm-hmm. anything political. Kudos to you, man. I don't have the energy in a lot of this <laughs> stuff uh, anymore. But, like, at the same time, it's very easy for all of us to call, like, people who won't get the vaccine and their reasonings for not, like, stupid. Like, loudly, like, hey, guys, you're tripping. Like, your intelligence level must be low. How do you balance that with, like, like you said, the most important guys on the team don't have it. So, like, you can't just go up a press conference and call Carson Wentz stupid, right? Like, how has that, how has that balance been for you guys uh, covering uh, the team? Delicate. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it, it is – you're right, though. You're right because I think, you know, there was, a, there was a situation last week where, you know, Carson Wentz had been hurt for most of the preseason. So, so the topic had, had not come up, even though we, we kind of knew he was unvaccinated. But he didn't talk to the media because he was hurt. So when he came back, the the subject was all about his health and his foot and how he's doing. So, you know, we never got to the vaccination topic. And then he gets hit with the COVID list. And then we had to be like, okay, you know what? We got to take the gloves off now. Like at this point, like we got to go in on this guy. And so we did. And it, it didn't get contentious, but I think he did feel a lot of pressure to, you know, to, to, to kind of keep the questions at bay. And I, I think what I was a little disappointed about is like, okay, I can, I can accept, I guess, 
you know, someone's reasoning for not doing it. If you at least, but well, let me say this. I think you at least owe the fans an explanation or at least some rationale. You know what I mean? Like people paying 200 bucks to sit in like the second deck. You know what I mean? So like give them something. And, and I think his failure to do that, I think was, was where I had a problem with it. And so it's not that he didn't articulate, you know, where he stands with it. He said he's still fluid. Okay, whatever. I don't know how long this is going to take, but, <laughs> but my point is like, just at least say, all right, look, here's where I stand. And this is why, which leads me to believe you don't really have a good reason, but right. that's another story. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, Carson Wentz, surprisingly not a good decision maker. Who knew? Um, <laughs> I, 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 that, that's a good segue though, to talk about Carson. Um, you went back and watch, when they traded for him, you went back and watched a lot of Carson Wentz again, kudos to you. I would not want to watch 2020 Carson Wentz. It was not, as you know, it was not, super good or super consistent but what did stand out to you when you went back and watched Carson who was arguably like one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league in 2020 well I'll start by saying that it I think it's one of those situations where this is not an excuse it's more an explanation right so let me make that distinction I think it's one of those situations where when when things start going bad sometimes they just, it's like a toilet. It just devolves, right? It just goes all the way down. And and I think that's kind of what happened with him last year. He couldn't get the train back on the tracks and the train was derailed, okay, <laughs> completely derailed. And instead of, I think, you know, just kind of staying within himself, because that's what you should do in those situations. It's just like, let me, let me do what I know how to do, what I do well. What Carson Wentz sometimes tries to do in those situations is he tries to put on his cape and you know he had his own problems you ain't gonna save the team brother you know what i mean like you gotta you gotta figure out your own stuff before you go over here and try to save this four and 12 football team that really wasn't salvageable (laughs) anyway right so so that's that's the bigger picture now more specifically what i saw was you know a guy who when things are going well you know, he can he can thrive. I think what he's got to do is in the heat of the moment when the protection breaks down or when, you know, the, the coverage isn't what maybe you thought it was or, you know, when whenever things take a turn, he sometimes digs a, dig, a deeper hole. It goes back to what I was just saying. And so, you know, when the coverage, for example, or excuse me, when the, the protection breaks down, uh, he he really makes bad decisions in those situations, or at least he did last year. Uh, I, I think that what if I'm the Colts, okay, what I hang my hat on and what they are hanging their hat on is that he is very talented. Like he's like he does have the, the arm talent is real, like his athleticism is real. All those things are legit, right? We saw them before. But how do you get him back to that previous version? That's a hard thing. I think the Colts have a structure that can help him do that. So we will see. I mean, the offensive line situation here will be night and day, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as these guys are on the field, he's got one of he's got a top five offensive line. I would stand by that. So you know, let them do their job and and that will help you a long way. That will take you a long way. The other thing is he's got, I think, a decent set of skill set players. I mean the receivers are down right now because T.Y. Hilton's out. And and they don't have like a Pro Bowl cast type of guys, but 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 they have I think adequate guys at wide receiver, and the backfield is very good, right. like superb. 
You know what I mean? I think you, you we mentioned off air Naheem Hines and just how I think he's one of the most versatile running backs in the entire league. Then you've got Jonathan Taylor, who's 226 and is running 4-3. I'm not tackling that dude, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> because I want all, I need all my body parts. So, you know, I think he, he has a lot. If, if he can't thrive here, or at least get himself back together, if Carson Wentz can't put it back together here, then he is not salvageable. That I really oh. believe that. Uh, oh. He is not solid. He's Because uh, this is the perfect place for him. And he's got, I think, one of the elite quarterback coaches in the NFL and Frank Reich. So this this is a guy who has gotten it out of him before. I think it's up to him in large part to do it again. So I, I think it's a optimum situation. But it's up to Carson. You know, okay, one more one more thing on Carson. How much of that, if he's asked, if he's talked about it, was mental, like his struggles there, getting in his own head last year? Did he talk about whether that was a factor in his kind of decline since his 2017 season? Uh, he didn't, but I think other people have said that. Like, you know, mm -hmm. his coaches, for example, who know him very well. He's There are some former Eagles coaches even on the staff now, and Frank Reich obviously knows him. And what what I've been told repeatedly by coaches and people in the front office is we just got to get him to play within himself. And this goes back to what I saw in the film, which is Carson Wentz, he tried to be a savior. And like, that's just, it's not, it's not the game, man. You know what I mean? Like there's just, that, that's just not going to work. It generally doesn't work unless you are Aaron Rodgers maybe can do that. Right. Yeah. My home's in the Super Bowl without his O-line. Still Russ can do that. Hands. Yeah. Right. Russ can do that. We've seen him do it. Right. There, there's a select group of guys who can do that. He's not in that group. I think he's good enough, but he's not in that group. So he, you got to change his thinking. Now, that's hard to do. This guy's 28 years old. So that's going to be the challenge. I, I mean, I think this is going to be a tough job, but I do think it's doable. But I'm not going to tell you it's easy. It, it is going to be tough. So, but again, I think the key is going to be. You know, he'll be in a better situation. He just has to, you know, not overcomplicate it and, and not try to take too much of this on himself. So we'll see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Speaking of tough job, I do want to get into the offensive line with the Colts because they're going to be challenged with this new defensive line that the Seahawks have, bringing in Kerry Hyder, just revamping the defensive line from what fans and what people have saw from last, saw from last season. What do you expect here? And you mentioned some of the pieces that they brought over in the offensive line. What are you expecting? It'll be interesting because I'm I'm been I have been kind of curious, you know, to see what the Seahawks defense looks like because I mean I think first of all being you know in in the AFC and being uh, someone who covers mostly an AFC team, you know, we don't see the Seahawks all the time. So right. the the last time the Colts saw the Seahawks, they were a very different team. Their personnel was very different on defense. So this is going to be very different in terms of the matchup. Uh, I, I think definitely the Colts are, they thrive, their physicality is really what they thrive on. And so they're going to attack you. Uh, their offensive line is going to attack you. They want to be the aggressors. Uh, they're going to, pull Quentin Nelson and get him out front. Uh, it's coming. I'm telling you, it's coming because that's what they do, right? Um, he's he's the best pulling guard I've ever seen. Like, he's just – he's fantastic at it. There's one of them but, takes. Yeah, I told you. That comes yeah, – yeah, not yeah. willy-nilly. That's not – you've seen a yeah. lot of guards. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, like – because most of the time you don't even remember that. You know what I mean? You see those things every Sunday and it's like, eh, you know, they're pulling the guard. You know what I mean? And when, when Quentin Nelson pulls, it's like – Dude, did you see that? You know, yeah. like that's that's it looks different, man. You know, it's like because like he just clears out three guys. And you're like, ooh, you know, so, you know, and then you got a really physical running back behind him. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I don't know what to expect from the Seahawks, but I, I I am looking forward to the matchup. I mean, I know that that Pete does a great job of always, you know, you know, coming up with concepts and, and reinforcing to his staff, to, you know, to always stay ahead. Uh, t- stay ahead of the curve on defense, and I just think it's going to be a great matchup. I mean, I think I think both sides are going to get tested. There's no question about it. And being the season opener, I think that adds some additional intrigue, you know, because you don't completely know what you're getting, you know, going into it. So I'm curious. I mean, I, you probably could tell better than me, but but I'm curious to see how that matchup goes. I think it's going to go a long way toward def- deciding the outcome. No, you answered it. Quentin Nelson. I'm going to be watching him. I can't wait to see what he does. But another guy I want to talk about is, you know, the T.Y., man. Oh, yeah. Nobody on the audio can see Chris looking like a no, dude flagging no. down planes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, with the injury of T.Y. Hilton, the wide receiver unit, is there another leader or another person that's going to step up? Or is it wide receivers by committee where they're all going to have to come together and make plays and make the job easier for Carson Wentz? And not to mention the Seahawks secondary is – well, the cornerback room is still trying to figure itself out. So, Colts fans, there's a little break for you there if you're still if you're worried about oh, there's no Ty. So, what's who's stepping up, or is it going to be a committee? Yeah, well, I'll start by saying that just based on the little glimpses we saw with them in training camp with Carson Wentz and Ty Hilton, because as I said, Wentz was out for so long, 
you know, we didn't see them together very much, but for the week or so they were on the field together, it looked pretty good. And, you know, Carson is a, a guy who wants to push the ball down the field. Well, T.Y. Hilton is your man, right? I mean, he won a game against the Seahawks, you know, I think two meetings ago would have yeah, been yeah, two, yeah. 2013. Uh, I, I remember that game vividly. I mean, that was T.Y. Hilton's like coming out party against Richard Sherman of all people. Right, so, right. so anyway, uh, and he won that with, you know, Andrew Luck going down the field to him and, and really, you know, exploiting that strength in their their game. So they don't have that. So I, I think what you'll see is you're going to see a lot of Michael Pittman, honestly. And, you know, you're you guys are familiar with the Pac-12. You, you probably have seen a lot of Michael Pittman over the years at USC. He is, I think, a guy who's on the verge of I'm not saying like superstardom, but like I think he's on the verge of like, Okay, this might be maybe you know a, a Pro Bowl level guy in a couple of years. I, I think he's like that on that trajectory. We'll see though. He's got to do it, and he won't have you know T.Y. Hilton across from him, so mm-hmm. he's going to get that extra attention. So he's going to have to he's going to have to show up on a different level now than he would have because you know he doesn't have someone else to draw that attention. If you look back at 2020. A lot of the the big plays Michael Pittman made. If you watch the film, you'll also see T.Y. Hilton clearing stuff out and taking guys, taking mm-hmm. defenders with him down the field. And so, without that, you know, can he do it on his own? I will tell you what I love about Michael Pittman is his physicality. You know, he has he, he doesn't have like that DK Metcalf speed. Uh, but he does have size. I mean, he doesn't look like a Greek goddess, but or Greek god, excuse me. But uh, like DK, but but he definitely has has size and he has physicality. His fr- his father was a was a running back, um, the biggest biceps I've ever seen. I, co- I covered Michael Pittman senior. That's how long I've been. Oh, doing. oh man, that was my my first year in the NFL. My first year in the NFL, Michael Pittman was a running back in Tampa. So anyway, um, you know, he gets he he really did. I think. Uh, absorbed that mentality from his father. He was a really physical running back. He has a lot of that in him, in his game. Like, if you get him, they don't, know if they don't throw a lot of screens to him, but if you do, like, he ain't got a problem running <laughs> through you. Like, he's fine with that. He's, in fact, he's like, cool. You know, so that's going to be an interesting challenge, I think, for, for secondaries this year, how to deal with him physically. You know, he can play the jump ball as well because he's a big guy. The other guy I have to be, have to mention here is Paris Campbell. Okay, Paris Campbell has been probably one of the like a top five T's in the NFL the last two years because he's just been hurt over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is the year he stays healthy. I could, I'm not about to promise you that, but if he does, I will tell you I, I have rarely seen a team more excited to get a guy in the draft when they did get him a couple years ago. Now, I had some conversations with Frank Reich, and he had a lot of plans for this kid, and they just haven't panned out. But he looks good. He's healthy. He's He looks 100% to me. And, um, you know, as long as he can stay out there, look, he, he has a lot of ability, a lot. I'm just telling you. They have a lot of unique ways they want to use him, but he's got to be available. So we'll see. It's week one, so he's out there, yeah. and we'll see what happens. Um, but he's the other guy to watch for, for sure. They can they'll use him out of the slot. You'll see him on reverses. You'll see him on screens. Uh, think Percy Harvin a little Oof, bit, you know. Okay. But I think a better wide receiver overall 
than Percy probably was. We'll see though. He's got to prove it. Okay, Chris, I got a quiz for you. Um, dun, dun, so dun. Uh, when we when we did our Falcon show with Tori, I think two years ago, maybe two years ago or last year, we broke the news to Chris that Julio's name is not Julio. Oh my god, he didn't know his name was Quintoris. <laughs> um, so do you do you know T. Y. Hilton's real name? I do not. Tyler Jackson? No, you, you do. You do. Okay, uh, Stephen, what's 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 T. Y. Hilton's real name? His name is actually Eugene. And I, <laughs> See, I knew you didn't know. Come on, man. Right. And I'm trying to remember the story. Like, where did he even come from? I, I wish I could remember. I don't remember the story. I have I should know that, right? But okay. I don't remember the story where TY actually comes from. And I'm now it got me now you got my brain racing. So we're, I gotta, we're gonna, gotta we're gonna figure it out after the show. I just wanted to throw yeah. I knew you didn't know. So I, I, talk about I really thought his name was TY and it was nope. for you know Tyler Tyler Young. He'll nope nope and or Travis Young and you're like no it's actually Eugene. It's not even close. Like yeah no. you it's you like Julio right. Contoris. You yeah. set me up man. No I just uh, you maybe you could have known. We I, didn't talk about that pre-show. We just I just threw it out there on the fly. I thought it'd be funny. It's yeah, kind of like it's almost like a rapper name, you know what I mean? Like just like random letters in front of a name, you know. It's like yeah. No, I man, just, what am I change my name to, man? Let me think. Uh, it's like Future. YFN. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know Future's real name? <laughs> yes, Nova, no, Navy Davius. Nadavius. Nadavius. Something that lets you know he's black for yes, sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll keep moving along here. I want to stick with the offense because you you talked about someone previously during one of your during one of the segments here. You mentioned his name and Naeem Hines and. He brings a lot to the table. Coming out of the backfield, you can line him up at right wide receiver. Talk about the challenges the Sears are going to have to figure out a plan to slow him down just because he is a unique player in this league that he can, you know, have two carries for six rushing yards, but then on the other end, eight catches, eight targets for eight catches and 99 yards and a touchdown. And he, he might return punts too. That's the other oh, thing. Oh, wow. He took one to the house last year. So okay. like he's he's legit. So I, I think that what you'll see with him is uh he's just a guy you have to account for because you don't know how they're gonna use him. He can be on the field, but what's he gonna be doing? You know, that's the question. It's like, you know, if they have if Jonathan Taylor's out there, you know what he's gonna do, right? Like they're not gonna split him out wide and be like, all right. <laughs> Go run a go route, you know. What I mean? it's, like, it's, it's like, all right, he's gonna run the ball between the tackles, you know what I yeah. mean? And run somebody over and then run, you know, 30 yards in half a second. But um, yeah, it's very interesting with Naheem Hines. He he was a slot receiver initially at NC State, which is kind of the origin of all this. And he he got recruited, I think, as a running back, but he was he was a track guy. So they were like, yeah, we're stacked at running back. Go play receiver and let's see how it goes. Oh, it went pretty well. <laughs> and then when they needed him at running back, they put him back there. But he kept those skills fresh. And so the Colts have really tapped into that. I mean, he had, I believe, the most targets of any Colts player last year. Wow. Now, obviously not the most yards because they're throwing it out of the backfield a lot. But the most targets, that's that's impressive. You know, that's a I mean? Philip Riversy stat right there. Yeah, it really is. It really is. That's Austin Eckler stuff, right? So, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and and I knew that would happen with Philip Rivers, and, and it absolutely was true. So, uh, you'll see that though. That's not going to go away just because Philip Rivers is not the quarterback, because it's really something the Colts' offensive staff wants to dig into, and you'll still see him though. You know, there there are instances I saw in training camp where he was on the field with Jonathan Taylor. And sometimes they would put them both in the backfield and then they'd put they'd put Hines in motion and, you know, run them into the slot. And basically he becomes a slot receiver. But those are the that's the eye candy stuff that they can do 
because you know he can he can hear you in a lot of different ways. But he's he's a really unique player, man. Really fun player, as you said. You know he he's also he's a player who could have those two carries for six yards, but he's also a guy who can run the football. He's surprisingly yes. surprisingly effective as a runner, and and actually surprisingly physical for a guy his size. He's only like five eight, and you know. 205 pounds maybe, but he's a really compact runner and a, and a smart runner and knows how to use his leverage really well. So yeah, he you got to account for him. No question about it. And I really think they have plans for him this year. I'm, I'm curious to see if his role grows in the offense this year. The biggest question is, do you play fantasy? I don't, but oh. I get enough fantasy questions that I'm I get it. That's probably for the best. <laughs> it's okay. I was gonna say I'm guessing you drafted Mr. Hines, but you don't even play. I did. I, did. I, I know you him. did, but Mr. Holden I think here. one year he had uh, last year he had like a game where he had like ten catches or something like that or something. Maybe like been Detroit. Year. Yeah, it was like Thursday yeah. night football or something. And he went crazy. Ah, Tennessee. Yes. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. He had he went off on my bench, and I was like, I'm not letting that happen again. <laughs> put that brother back in the game. I drafted him this year. Anyway, no one wants to hear about my fantasy team. <laughs> Tupac cares if nobody else cares. You never know, man. Like that. You never know. Uh, the the, the Colts D-line, I mean, like you said, the trenches are going to decide this game, um, I mm-hmm. think. Like, in, irregardless of the quarterback dis, uh, disparity and talent, like, that doesn't matter. This team lost to Colt McCoy last year. Right? Like, the trenches get things done. Um, who should the Seahawks be most worried about uh, up front on Sunday? Well, from from a defensive perspective, is is DeForest Buckner. Uh, so, actually, I wrote a story about him this week uh, in The Athletic, and what I – what I really was trying to convey was just how much attention he drew from offenses last year. And he told me about a game against Cleveland. Remember the game, the Colts lost. And he said, you know, they basically cut block me the entire game. Mm. And I don't have a problem with that, but I also know like when you're consistently going for a dude's legs, it's like, you know what? We can't stop this guy. And Mm -hmm. I think that was their way of saying, we can't block him straight up. We're just going to cut this guy all day long. He gets doubled. He gets cut blocked, you know, and he he was all pro last year. And look, he's not Aaron Donald, but I think whatever the next level is after Aaron Donald, I think that's where he is. I mean, he's in that select group of guys who I think are, you know, behind Aaron in terms of, you know, the three techniques who really I think can blow up your line of scrimmage. Uh, he can rush the passer. I mean, he's he's had 12 sacks in his career at one time. So, you know, he had 10 last year. So, I mean, he's he's going to be coming. And and this is really doing that last year with what I thought was a very minimal edge rush. So they feel like they've got a better edge rush this year. And he's back and he's 100%. He was hurt last year. So, yeah, <laughs> look for number 99 is what I tell you. The other thing I would say is uh, Pay, first-round pick coming mm. off the edge. I think this kid has a lot of potential. He he looked like a power rusher at Michigan. What I've learned is that was more the scheme and not necessarily his skill set. Right. They're lining him up out wide and coming for the quarterback, you know, as a true edge rusher, and he gets off the ball. Like he looks like a he looks like a speed rusher, which I never would have imagined. So, uh I'm curious to see, you know, if it carries over from the preseason. That that's an interesting anecdote about DeForest Buckner because that Cleveland O-line was good last year. It was probably one mm-hmm. of the best, like, four or five O-lines last year. And even that unit with a really respe- well-respected O-line coach whose name escapes me at the moment. But, like, that's a good team yep. being like, you know what? We can't block this guy. <laughs> like, that's humbling. True. Like, yeah. that, 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 that's telling. You probably will see the Seahawks do, you know, some, some similar stuff. Perhaps with some success. Perhaps not. 
But like yeah. you said, we'll see. Um, the two best skill position players in this game are probably DK and Tyler Lockett. Like that's probably, uh, probably not very, very close. Um, they're going to wreak havoc on a lot of secondaries this year. They did that to a lot of secondaries last year, um, save for any game against the Rams. How can the Colts potentially slow down those two dudes? I think this is going to be their biggest challenge. I mean, there's a lot, there's, uh, there's Russell obviously, but, but I think he has, he's connected to this, right? Cause he's going to mm-hmm. be delivering the ball. And, and I actually, I, I will say, look, I actually think this, the Colts front seven, their speed in the front seven actually levels that playing field a little bit, mm-hmm. but I worry more about the guys on the outside, the perimeter, because they, that's, I think their Achilles heel. They have Xavier Rhodes, who I thought was a terrible signing a year ago, actually played very well last season. So mm-hmm. I was happy to be wrong about that like because I was like, ooh, this might be bad. And he, to his credit, he played very well and locked down a few guys last year. The problem is he, he only plays one side. <laughs> and <laughs> the, they have Kenny Moore who plays in the slot. Uh, he, he's the rare slot corner who is basically only a slot corner. Mm. He's, he's excellent at it. Okay, like he's tremendous, but he's really not as effective playing outside. So they generally have Rocky Asin or someone else play on the other side, and and that's where they get into trouble. You know, so Rocky Asin is very much a grabby corner. Uh, He's, I think he personally, I think he's gained a reputation. I think the officials are looking for it now. Mm, So I think they know that the hold is coming. We saw it when, you know, those officials come to training camp every year to kind of give the test run uh, as they do with all teams. And when when the crew came to Indy this year, we saw Rock get flagged quite a few times. And so, you know, I hope that is not you know a sign that this is going to be a recurrence for him. Now, he's also very aggressive and and can make plays on the ball, you know, but he's he's very much boomer bust, you know, so great play, bad play. Bad play, great play. That ain't gonna get it done, you know. I think he needs to be more consistent. Uh, so it's it's really, I think, their biggest weakness on on defense is is their their cornerback depth. So you know, with I mentioned Kenny Moore, I think he is a fantastic player, but really he's not a conventional corner. You're gonna see him play in space and blitz and and do a lot of unconventional things. You know, the guy who's really gonna have to follow guys down the field on on one side of the field is Rocky Sin. So and and you know, honestly Xavier Rhodes has to <clears throat> excuse me he has to prove that he can do it again too because I thought he was a little up and down in training camp himself. He's now 31 years old. So I mean he's got some things to prove as well. So uh that is where they have a chance I think to hurt the Colts. I like their safeties though quite a bit. Uh they I think they have two underrated safeties in just uh excuse me, Julian Blackman and uh, Kari Willis at strong safety, Julian playing the free safety. Uh, those two guys, I think, are going to be a tandem here for a long time. I only know a little bit about Rock post-draft. I liked him pre-draft. Is be- I just saw a clip of him in the preseason get burnt pretty bad for a touchdown. Yeah. And I just remember seeing the the comments. And I, remember, I, f- I forgot. I, not, I remember now. When, do do uh, do Colts fans like Rock? Or, or what's, what's nah, going on? They're, no, they they're don't. Not okay. a fan. No, Damn. no. Okay. He's, he, in fact, like he's like public enemy number one. You know, because uh, he's you that know, guy. It is, okay. It's, yeah. You know what I mean? Because like playing corner is hard, right? And your mistakes get you know, put on front street, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are bigger problems on the roster than him. However, I get it. You know, if you're a casual fan and you see this dude get 
you know, beat like a drum every couple of weeks, you're going to be like, you know, get somebody else. The, the problem is I don't think their depth is that good. So I think for now, I think it's him or bust. I think uh, so, Chris. He's the for Seahawks fans reference. He's oh, the, he's there. Trey Flowers. I was like, yeah. Man, so the, I didn't the, want to do it. The same problem over here in Seattle. Every time Trey gives up anything, <laughs> you, you said it. I anything. It. He's it's like get him out of here. They put, yep. yeah, just all yeah. No, it's and I it's not that, that simple, right? It's it's no, not it's that simple. simple. No, and yeah. and that's why I try to convey to people, but nobody wants to hear that. And I no. understand it. I understand it, but nobody wants to hear it. Yeah, that's how I could ID it when I I just read a few comments. I was like, hmm, Colts fans don't like this guy, huh? Because he Very got perceptive. no benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, he's he's there, Trey Flowers. Okay. Yep. I want to ask you about that. The way you describe the Colts, actually, and this reminds me of a piece you had a few years ago when you guys got to sit into the, uh, I think it was the GM's draft room. And he mentioned like, hey, like the Seahawks influence, kind of how we wanted to go about things, I think specifically um, defensively. What is that? Is that still the case that kind of there's some Seahawky like uh, beliefs in terms of team building? And if so, why is that? Why did they choose the Seattle as a team to kind of mimic in that regard? Well, there's a couple of things. I, I think it's more schemish, more scheme related okay. than necessarily philosophical. But but definitely there's a couple of variables. Number one, you know, Ed Dodds, who is the uh, assistant general manager, you know, comes from Seahawks front office and. Like, I mean, you can tell a lot of the, the players that the Colts defensively, you know, have have interested in or have interest in, excuse me. You could tell they're, they're players that you could see in a Seahawks uniform, too. Right. You know, a lot of times I, I think some of their some of their metrics, I think, you know, go back to Seattle, the long corners. Like I will tell you, for example, uh, Chris Ballard, their GM has like a hard and fast rule on cornerbacks. He's like, if that dude ain't six feet, don't even bring him to me. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, like he's, and he's like, does not play. And he's like, really, I need him to be like six one, you know, like, wow. but uh, Very I Seahawk-y. mean, yeah. Yeah. So I think that they have, they've taken principles from a lot of places. Um, Andy Reid, for example, has had a huge influence on Chris Ballard because he worked with him in, um, in Kansas city. Uh, he, he also was in the, the Chicago front office in the 2000s. So he's a big Lovey Smith fan and some of the things that he did on defense. So he's taken bits and pieces of a lot of places, but he really does respect the Seahawks front office. There's no question about that. And, and like I said, Ed Dodds has a lot of influence and, and Ed Dodds being really Chris Ballard's right-hand man, they, you know, you're going to get a lot of Seahawks influence because of that. So, so I think it's a combination of things. And I think just really respecting the job that they've done over the years too, is really, you know, partly what it comes down to. So um, it's definitely a, a nod to Seattle for sure. Yeah. No, it, you can see it in, I mean, even the way they spend money, like the, the, mm-hmm. the Colts don't get busy in free agency like that. They'll bring back their own guys, short-term deals. If they do make a splash like Buckner, they did with Buckner, trade him, paid him, and then, oh, they'll trade for Dwayne Brown or Jamal Adams or something like that and pay. It's very, yep. very similar. Like, even the, the Colts kind of now remind me of a little bit of early Seahawks where if you could tell Pete was like, all right, let's get a good O-line because they were spending a lot of money on the O-line back when Russ was a rookie. Um, let's let's have a good – let's be good in the trenches on both sides – um, they lucked out getting an all of fame corner in the fifth round. But like you could just the resource allocation is very similar yeah. too. putting the quarterback in a position like, look, you just don't got to mess it up. Yeah. You know, just get out there and, and just be you and, and we'll win games. Uh, now, we'll see how that goes with Carson. But uh, yeah, that's <laughs> I like no, in theory. I like it in theory. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. And I think honestly, I, I really feel like, you know, 
a lot of this also comes from working with people who have job security too. Like, like mm-hmm. in other words, like, you know, John Schneider's not worried about getting fired. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. He could be like, you know what, we're going to do this the right way. And I think that you have to have the confidence to say that and be like, you know what, I don't know if it's going to work this year, but I know over the long haul, this is going to be the way to do things. Right. And, and I just think there's not enough personnel people and, and it, go, it applies to coaching too, but there's just not enough people running teams who have that confidence in themselves to say, you know what, I got a plan and I'm going to trust my plan. And they do. And I think that applies here too. We are a gambling show of record. Right, Mike? Are we? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm playing. I mean, <laughs> I haven't get the last thing I get. What's the last thing I gambled on? I gambled on the presidency for sure. Oh, yeah. You, that was probably the last thing. I won a few hundred bucks on Biden winning. Yeah, I think that was the last one. Oh, no. I lost $100 on Nate Robinson and, Ooh, against Jake Paul. That yeah, was a, you know, terrible. we don't have to not spend too much time on that. On, yeah, that's questionable. Well, you know, Nate's from Seattle. I'm no. from Seattle. Nate's from South okay. Seattle. I'm from South Seattle. would represent. I get Yeah, yeah. Against a professional boxer. No. I'm explaining why I like. I was repping for hometown. Sentimental choice. Sentimental exactly. Choice. I was betting right. with my heart, not my mind. Chris wouldn't be that's, you're my a terrible. Mind. You're a terrible gambler then. Yes. See, that's what hashtag. <laughs> There's levels gambled. to this. He's not on that level. Yeah. But we always do this. We started it, what, two years ago? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Whatever. We'll call it two years ago. Over or under. And we pick certain players or just a stat. So we're going to go with Carson Wentz passing yards. 220 and a half. Are you going to take the under or the over? Hmm. It's a tough one because I, I do think he'll throw for a lot of yards this year. I'm going to say under only because wow, I think they're – Yeah, here, here's why, though. I feel like – I'm not saying I'm real confident in this, but, but my rationale <laughs> – I'll give it to you. My rationale is he is rusty. He might be rusty, honestly, because, I mean, this dude hasn't done anything. He <laughs> 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 either hurt the whole preseason. Then you go on a COVID list for a week. And it's like, you know, here we are four days before the game. Like, all right, hey, how about some practice? You know, it's like, dude, like, and your number one receiver's hurt. So yes. I'm like, I'm not saying if, if I'm the Colts, are you putting the game in that guy's hands? You know, so I don't know that we're going to see like 40 pass attempts unless the score gets, up, you know, upside down. So that's that's my rationale. At least. Makes sense. No, I'm not mad at that. No, no, that's, that's fine. Broke it down well. I, I think he, he averages probably a little lower than that, I think, or probably did last year. So it's, mm-hmm. it's about fair. It's very, yeah. betting the under is a safe one, I, I, I think. I don't know. With this I think for these two teams, yeah, I feel like it is. Well, I think both both teams are probably really afraid of turning the ball over. On, yeah. on on Sunday, they both they know that like, hey, a turnover can kill us in a game that they both expect to be a dog fight, which it might be because right. both teams consider themselves to be strong in the trenches. So uh, that's fair. And they, they both like to run the ball, too. So. Uh, yes, yep. that is it. Oh, God. you If you say <laughs> run the ball three times in the mirror, Pete Carroll shows up like that. that, that <laughs> like that a is, fairy godmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Pete Carroll's a running back candy man. So I, I, that, <laughs> that's how much he cares about run, running the ball here. Now we really put you on the spot. We'll put okay. you on the spot here. We need a game pick. Uh, the Seahawks are favored by two and a half. The line has moved since it opened, yep, which I believe it opened at the Colts favored by two and a half. That's a swing, uh, but that's what happens when you become the COVID Colts. Um, so what you got? Give us, give us a, a winner and a score. I think the game being at home helps a lot. Drum but roll, Drum roll. Here we go. Here we go. But you know, uh, reversal here. Um, I actually think I'm actually going to go with Seattle. I tell you, ah, I'll okay. say a score. You want to score? I would say 26, 24. And 
I think here's why. I, I just feel like I think the Colts are going to be a, a likely a playoff team. Um, I, I like them as a team. I like their talent. I think they, top to bottom, I think one of the better teams in the league in terms of just the way they're built, not saying the quarterback and all that. But top to bottom, pretty good team, a lot of depth. The problem is too many key guys in and out in this preseason, and I, I don't think they're a finished product. They're definitely not a finished product. I right. think it's going to take them a while. And the problem is they got this – the front end of their schedule is nasty. So they got Seattle. They got the Rams. They have Tennessee, Ugh. the Dolphins, and Baltimore. Those are their first five games. You get a break in Miami? No, that's yeah, going to be a good defense, maybe. though. Hello, but hello. Miami's on the road in September, you know, hot. You know, so, like, it, they got the advantage. You know, there's a lot of reasons. Like, that could go bad, too, you know. So, Oof, 0 5 uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll win. They'll win some. They'll games. figure it out. They'll figure they're, they're it out. They're well constructed, like Steve was saying. Yeah, yeah. But but again, I mean, that's the 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 fact that it's on the front end after the preseason that they have had. Mm-hmm. I think that is actually kind of a recipe for trouble. And Eric Fisher, by the way, their left tackle. I don't. I would be surprised if he gets out there this Sunday. He's coming off the pup list and really isn't due to practice until Wednesday. So I have my doubts. Oh, no. We've all seen what happens when Carson doesn't have great protection. Oh, God, exactly. God, Godspeed to that to that brother. Also, I almost don't want to wish him Godspeed because get your butt vaccinated. <laughs> yes, like, that would help. With Carson Wentz, <laughs> exactly. I seen, all I seen was a little clip where Carson's like, yeah, I've weighed the pros, I've weighed the cons. And that's what made me want to ask the question about you guys covering because I, I might have shouted from the heavens, what right. are the cons, Carson? <laughs> Tell us exactly. the cons. Oh, that's that's all right. We you don't can't. Get yeah, no, <laughs> no. We're both we're both Washington State grads. Um, so I hope one of the receivers that steps up, Desmond Patton. Um, mm-hmm. to shout out shout out to Des. Uh, he made the fifty three, right? He Des did. Three? He did. Yeah. And and I I oh, thought that you know they they had some depth at that position. So I, I was wondering if he'd make it. And I think the fact that they went with six receivers tells me they didn't want to cut him because they were worried about somebody grabbing him. He had a strong preseason. His camp was just, eh, and I thought maybe that would put him in jeopardy, but he, he came with it. He brought it in the preseason games. And I think that that got him on the 53. So shout out to Des Patman. There we go. Selfishly rooting for him. Uh, Steven, Uh, we appreciate you, man. Appreciate all your wisdom. You plugged the DeForest Buckner piece. That's out on the athletic right now. Yes, it is. Yes, All right. What else we got? You got a season, another season preview-ish thing coming or any features you want to plug real fast? Yeah, I'm going to hit up – I'm going to hit uh, some – like a recipe for success for them later this week. You know, how do the Colts get where they want to go this year? Um, COVID notwithstanding. <laughs> but, like, you know, like what what's the blueprint? And so I have some thoughts on that, and I'll I'll put that out before game day later this oh, week. I'll just right. plug one more thing from Steven. Um the Matt Hasselback, is it a burrito story? Oh, man. I love that story. It's a, yeah, bad, bur- it's, it's a bad burrito, right? Is that what it is? It is. It is. It's oldie but goodie. But, like, yeah, you, you, you folks out there would, would love Hasselback. He, can I just tell you, I know this is not, nothing to do with the podcast, but, like, Matt Hasselback is, like, one of my top five favorite people I've ever covered. Like, this mm-hmm. dude is amazing. Like, he would, we would go in the locker room. Remember when we could go in the locker room? Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> we'd go in the locker room, and I would – you know, just go over, like, you know, shoot the breeze with him. 30 minutes later, I'm like, man, I got I got work to do, man. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I got to go. He was like, oh, yeah, one, one, one more thing. You know, and he's just like the best storyteller I've ever, ever, ever been around. He's, he's incredible. Anyway, the short version of the story is uh, 
he almost died from a Chipotle burrito. I'm oh. I'm exaggerating, but only a little. Oh, <laughs> so, man. I'm gonna find that. I'm gonna find the headline. Real. Yeah, it's my. Real. It's my. Uh, it's my. Uh, pin tweet actually, so you'll see it. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Let's just plug your Twitter then. Yeah. What's your Twitter? Yeah, yeah. So Holder is Holder Steven. So H O L D E R S T E P H because my mama made it hard. S T E P H E N. Steven Holder Steven. So and yeah. the headline is Matt Hasselback, the abominable burrito and a Colts win like none other. Yes, <laughs> I remember story. reading that. I'm glad I remember that while we had you on. Very fun story. Yes, they, Steven does great work at the athletic guys. Make you guys that are following him, uh, definitely follow him this this week, if nothing else. Uh, you know, to learn about the Colts and their opponent, uh, learn about the Seahawks and their opponent this week, man. Steven, we appreciate you joining us. We appreciate you guys for listening to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, everywhere you get podcasts, man. It's a short version. We will catch you guys uh, after the game on Sunday. On that note, we're out. Time to your bag and the color on your lip, yeah, you're plenty of-